race fans. I'm Ryan Aho, the legendary Burt Lehman in the house with us, and of course, Coach Kraus. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. A little bit cooler <laughs> weather is nice. <laughs> yeah, it, cooler weather is not nice, right? I'm up in northern Wisconsin. You can see I have a hoodie on. I know Kraus knows a little bit about cold weather. You know, what do you guys got going on here? Kraus, uh, is it hockey season yet or what? We, uh... I'm hitting ice on Tuesday, Ryan, and it's been a long time since I've skated. So uh, I don't, uh, fortunate enough, I have to, unf I should say, unfortunately, I have to tie my skates still. Um, I haven't hired somebody to tie my own skates. I don't, Bert, I don't know if you played hockey or what, but tying your skates is the worst, especially at 6 a.m. practice. Um, but uh, my boys are coming to town Monday and uh, start practice on Tuesday. So you got into the age now, I guess, where you have to actually put your foot up on the bench so you don't have to lean over as far to time. Is that how that works? Pretty much. That's pretty much how it works these days, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, episode 192, brought to you by Zuli's Race Engines. Folks, if you're wondering, who do I go to in 2024 for an engine? The proof's in the pudding. Go to their Facebook page and simply look at it. Tons of feature wins, tons of championships. They are flat out rolling. If you can't beat them, join them. That's Zuli's Race Engines. So, Bert, I know you uh, you went to Shano. We're going to talk a little bit more about Shano later, but I know you went to Shano. What else you got going on over there? Um, That's the only race that I attended in person this past week. Uh, the Dirt Kings did race at Plymouth also. Well, they raced part of their program at Plymouth. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into that now or later in the show. <laughs> Well, you can bring up what happened now. I And again, we are we live in a world now, guys, where one little thing, and we're guilty of it. We, we talk about drama all the time, but a couple little things happen, and drivers go mental on social media. Um, I saw Mike Mullen had a post, and I, I, I enjoy watching him race, and I'm not saying he was wrong, but is it different today when something goes wrong where drivers are just so extremely vocal about it is that good, bad? Talk about what happened and then give me your thoughts on that. Uh, well, uh, you know, they they raced at Plymouth Dirt Track uh, in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Uh, they got their heat races in. Uh, um, and there were three support classes. The three support classes got their features in. And they did driver interviews after the features. And just as the Dirt Kings feature was about to pull out onto the track, it started raining. And then it started pouring. And there's no way they're going to save the track. And I, like I said, I wasn't there. I thought about going, but then I saw the forecast. There was a chance of rain, and I didn't want to drive two hours uh, if it was going to rain. And uh, from what I've heard is the program was delayed by like 45 minutes. Um, and then they had some issues because they, they were doing time trials and they had some issues with the qualifying. And um, and I haven't I didn't talk to Jason, who's the director of Dirt Kings, but I talked to somebody else who is associated with Dirt Kings. And he said that Jason wanted to move the late model feature up in the program because of the chance of rain. But uh uh, the track decided not to do that. <clears throat> yeah, that's unfortunate. Do they have any more racing there in 2023? Or is their at, season done? At Plymouth? Yeah. Well, that that's the that's the funny thing about this whole situation. I know you're going to talk about Wilmot later, 
Dirt Kings was supposed to race at Wilmont in September, but that race got moved to Plymouth. Like that was announced like two days before this race at Plymouth last week. Um, so Dirt Kings are scheduled to go back to Plymouth in September. Are they going to make that feature up at um, at that date, or do they just call that one a wash, or what are they doing there? My my understanding is uh, it's just called a wash, and uh, the money was the purse was split between all the the late model drivers. You know, I got to be honest, and Kraus, maybe you chime in on this too, but. You know, it, if it's the last night of the year, it's totally different because then it don't matter. Everybody needs to get their feature in. But if they still have a night or a couple nights left, you got to get the special event in. You got to get that race in because you can make the other ones up later. I mean, it's and we've seen this. It's not just there. We've seen this at multiple tracks. But I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Carlos? I mean, you guys have specials at your place. I mean, is it a focal point when weather's coming in? Like, hey, these guys are traveling in. We got to get this one in for sure. And then we'll worry about the rest of them later. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think so for sure. Especially, uh, you know, we had a curfew at Viking Speedway too, so sometimes that plays into into some things at tracks. Especially, you know, if you got, you know, we ran into one year we had the uh, street stock tour and we tried pushing them up a little bit before the weather and the uh, weather ended up getting there, ended up raining out the last few laps. Um, but yeah, you definitely have to try to. I think if you have a special, and it's. The weather's been absolutely horrible to try to predict this summer. It's been, it's going to rain all day and then it's sunny and then it's sunny and then it's going to rain. So that's been a big time damper on things too. So it's hard to, you're, you're in a tough spot as a promoter. You know, what do you do? Um, but I think you need to try something, you know what I mean? At least, at least show an effort to say, Hey, we tried something. We moved something. We moved a feature. And if the rain comes, the rain comes, there's nothing you can do about that. But yeah, I think you got to at least put the effort in and, you know, try to make sure you get that big show in. Well, and I should clarify something. Um, you know, Plymouth does have a special, you know, when Dirt Kings come back in September, but this was championship night for the other divisions. And I, I know one of the divisions, it was a close battle for the, for the championship. So, you know, I guess I can see why the track wants to get those races in, but, you know, it was advertised as a Dirt King special and a lot of fans went there because it was a Dirt Kings race and, you know, they wanted to see the Dirt Kings. Sounds like it was a, no pun intended, but a perfect storm for <laughs> this shit to not work out. It just is what it is. So let's jump into a little hot laps. Actually, you know what, Crows, you raced kind of this past Saturday. I, like, I'm watching, right? Me and my, me and my, my buddy Jim Changa, my, uh, Right hand man, we're watching race, and it's like, where the hell did Kraus go? What the hell? You're down in the infield, and they're looking at the Carlson. And you come back on the track. What happened? Well, I went. Uh, I went into turn one. I don't even know where I was running. I won my heat. Was ran okay in the heat, and then um, I don't was running top whatever fourth, fifth, sixth somewhere in there, and. I went into turn one and it felt like my right rear Hoosier bulminated. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't exactly know what happened there. And then I went down the back stretch and it felt like the car just collapsed on the right rear. So I just pulled out the back straightaway, came in, thought I had a bad tire or something. And of course, no, my crew come running up there and everything looks good to us. Yeah. Well, it is not working real good. So I went back out there, restarted 13th or something and got up to seventh, but I don't, I don't know what happened. There's something, Something bound up in the right rear, and I guess I'll have to go to work, try to figure it out, and you know, hopefully have a decent weekend. 
Yeah, well, me and my buddy Jim were talking, and, you know, between you and Johnny Brokings making little circles out there, you got to get rid of this red crap, and we're going to have to get you in blue race cars because I heard they're a lot faster. So I think that might be part of it. So, I don't know, if you don't pick it up here Labor Day weekend, we're going to have a discussion here this winter. So hot laps, hot takes. Brought to you by our friend Brad Parson, Brad Parson's Soil and Egg Solutions. One thing I know for sure, I don't know anything about farming. He does, right? He knows a lot about farming. You want to give him a call, right? If you if you farm in western Minnesota, in the Dakotas, and you're looking to have a successful end of the year rolling into 2024 and beyond, the proof's in the pudding. He's got a lot of results. He's got a lot of data, and he can get you that information. Give him a try. He's a, he's part of the racing community, so why not stay loyal within that racing community? His number, 320-219-3542. Give Brad a call. So, a <clears throat> couple hot takes here. So, how about a month ago, month and a half ago, Dexton Cook disqualified. Cedar Lake Speedway, 5000 to win. Month of money race. Um, Billy's unwritten rule got it, right? We've already been down that road. We don't need to explain all what happened. He got disqualified over a rule that didn't even exist. Five weeks go by, guys. Five weeks. Almost six weeks go by. No tech no tech update, no press release, no nothing from Wasoda. It's like the guy was disqualified. It's clearly not in the rule book. He was taking it upon himself to reach out to Wasoda and be like, can you put a tech update out there so we actually know what the rule is here? Can you do something? Guys, they finally put a tech update out there, and the rule was basically the same rule, and they added on, if your left rear spring is angled to the left, well, the right rear spring needs to be the same, or needs to also be angled to the left and vice versa. Um, his was. His was. His left rear st spring was angled to the left on top. His right rear spring was angled significantly more, and that's what they didn't like about it on top. But according to the rule that the kindergarten class with crayons, they got together and made this new rule, okay? They wrote it all out, and they sent them back to preschool, right? Ate their crayons or whatever they did to come up with this rule. According to the rule as written today, his car was legal. What the hell are they doing, right? How incompetent do you have to be as an organization to not be able to spend 15 minutes and write the rule as as you see fit, whether we agree or disagree that a rule needs to be in place, immaterial. But if they have in mind what they want the rule to be, do they need to get somebody maybe a little bit more educated to write that rule? Because how ridiculous is it? Bert, you're not even a racer. But how ridiculous is it when a guy gets disqualified for an unwritten rule, then they have a tech update writing a new rule that would actually, by verbiage, make his car legal. How, how dumb is that? Well, I agree. I mean, it, it's it's not a good situation. And so what's, what's the driver supposed to do? I mean, what if he goes out there and sets up his car exactly the way he had it set up before? Is he going to get DQ'd or is he not going to get DQ'd? Well, I'm going to challenge him to do that. In, in fact, I would challenge everybody. If you feel it's an advantage to angle your right rear spring and more, by all means, you now have a free pass, okay? If you if 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 your left rear spring is tipped towards the wheel, right? So if it's tipped out, that's how like the affordable chassis, they're tipped out on the left rear, and a lot of them were straight up and down. 
go ahead, tip that right near as far as you can because the rule says it's legal. Now, let's face it. You guys have had, and Jeff, you looked under a ton of different race cars, mods, late models, everything. Most of them, they're, they're canted in together, right? Most of them, late models, modifieds. Well, super stocks, they play around with that angle because they work off of spring dynamics a little bit differently and not off the bars. By rule, would you say that if the both of the springs are tipped in on top, by the rule that's written in place now, that is illegal? Well, according to, according, yes. Um, Dexton's was extreme. I know, I know we talked about this. His was extreme, what he did on his right rear. Um, and I, I, my personal opinion, I think he painted a target on his back the way he was doing that. And everybody had said that. Um, I talked to, I've talked to hundreds of super stock drivers really. And, um, he, he went a little extreme. He did. Um, and I, if it wasn't Cedar Lake and it wasn't $5,000 to win, I think they would have told him fix it. Um, but were that what were what he was doing and he was in Cedar Lake, big show. I think they had to DQ him because I, whether it's right or wrong, yes and no rule. There's nothing in the rule book that says he couldn't do that. Okay. But he did. He, he did. There's a little gray area there with that. But like you said, this rule they came up with, they're, they're I don't know what they're doing. I, I think they confuse more people. I, I really think they do. Um, I talked to Corey Mater this week. Um, he, he gave me a call and we were talking about some stuff and, you know, he was obviously there that night and he had a beer in his hand and he was ready to go party. And he's like, well, hold on here. We're going to, we don't know if this guy's legal yet. And he's looking at everybody's cars, like what's going on here. And, you know, they, they build some cars over there too. Corey, they got that rest chassis going over there with his dad and, and, um, you know, they've been trying some stuff too. So, um, I think they made the rule more confusing. I don't think they really, I, I don't know. Maybe you have to have a drawing. I mean, they have the third link drawing in the rule book. You know what I mean? Um, they might have to put the drawing in there to show you what it means to tip your springs and whatever. But, um, it, you know, it is what it is. I think, I think, like I said, I think every super stock's got pretty much the same deal going on now. And just don't get extreme like Dexton did. Um, but, yeah, that rule made from what I read, what I saw, it made zero sense. Yeah, and quite honestly, that race, you know, looking back at that deal, Ron Mater probably wins that race if the right retired didn't come apart on him. So that delaminating started then. He kind of was checked out. His right rear came apart. I, I think he still well after the DQ, he got second, but I think he finished third. He was a car to beat. So, and of course, Corey's in a super now too. So. Yeah, quite interesting there. So get on, talk to your promoters and have promoters get a hold of Wasoda and have them get some clarification on this because it's just it's just nonsense. Now, speaking of tires, right, I had another fan reach out and they said, there's been a lot of tires. If you go on our Facebook page, you know, we posted a picture of some different cars that the right rear tires are just coming apart. And, I mean, it's all across. I mean, people out in Wyoming, right, people out in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin – all across with Soda Land, the, the mod super stock street stock tires, the right rears are coming apart. Okay. It's an issue. It's been an issue um, in multiple classes. With that said, we're in invitational season, right? You know, this is where there's a lot of money on the lines at these special events. How nervous would a guy be, right? So let's say Jeff Krause is starting front row with Soda 100 outside pole, right? And next thing you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know what it pays to win. It's pretty good payday to win the 100 how nervous would you be to put a brand new right rear tire on you know would a guy look back and be like 
this one's got a couple nights on it. Still pretty good. I feel safer with this because I know it's probably not going to come apart. What's kind of the game plan there? What do drivers do in this situation? Well, I had this I had this conversation with Brady Gertis on Saturday. Um, I went up to him and congratulated him for winning again at Viking. And um, he, there's been a lot of guys putting older tires on. Well, guess what just happened to Brady Gertis Friday night in, in an eight-lap heat race? He had one with three heat cycles on it. And that thing, I call it balminating. Sorry. I, I, it's Billiam calls it balminating. We have to go with what Billiam says, right? So it's balminating. They're, ba- they're not delaminating. They're balminating right rear tires. So he was like, you know, let's try run an older tire to see what can do. That thing balminated. So um, it's an issue. Uh, we talked to him and said, you know, what's going to go on at the 100? And they said the exact same thing. Um, I know they've been taking batch numbers now, Ryan. Um, they've been turning in batch numbers to see if they can locate which batch of tires, where it came from. Because, um, you know, there's a little four-digit serial number on the tires for the batch number for the Hoosiers. So they're looking into that a little bit. So it does sound like there is someone at Hoosier or somebody with soda doing something to try to figure out what's going on with these tires. So, uh, it, it, hey, it's definitely on It's definitely on driver's mind. Um, it's on Brady's mind. You know, Brady's a legit legit contender to win the Wissota 100. Um, and he's sitting here, you know, do I get new tires? Do I get used tires? Do I get a heat cycle in them? Do I don't sipe them? Do I, you know what I mean? So um, I'd have to say right now, it's definitely on a lot of drivers' minds. Yeah, and I don't want to see, nobody wants to see an invitational, right, decided because a tire came apart. That's just ridiculous, right? <clears throat> you know, and so uh, kind of a problem solving, so to speak, and there's no perfect science, but if you buy a new tire now, I recommend pumping that baby up to like 25 pounds and rolling it and looking close because I was told that many of the tires, when you look across, you got all the different tread, that some of them are like raised up in an area, meaning that it's kind of separated underneath there. So pump your tires up, roll them all, and make sure that you can't visibly see it. And then, you know, hope for the best at that point. You know, and I had people say, well, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, Hoosiers, they're paying for it, right? I mean, literally, if somebody if somebody wrecks a tire, they can turn it in and get a new one. Well, if you're winning, if you're leading a 5,000 to win race and your tire comes apart and you don't finish, they ain't going to reimburse you the five grand that you just lost. Or if a right rear tire comes apart, you spin out in front of the pack and get KO'd and fold the stub over, pretty sure Hoosier's not going to send you a check for, you know, what it costs to fix your race car. So, I mean, they absolutely should go good for these tires. But, man, do you? Drivers, I'm just telling you right now, do your do your homework, right? Really look as close as you can at your tires because we don't want to see anybody losing because of that if it can maybe be solved. Bert, um, a little craziness there. I know you're not the racer side of it, but what's your thoughts? I mean, as a fan, how discouraging is it? Like if you're at a race, any big race, right? And, and I get it. When rubber comes on a racetrack and people, they blow their right tires to the rubber, totally different. But if, if somebody's winning a big race as a fan, how irritating is it to see somebody lose a race because of a faulty tire? Well, that's irritating. But what's even more irritating for me is if in that same race, there's multiple drivers um, that lose tires. You know, like watching some of those late model races down south where the track is so abrasive. And, you know, they're popping tires left and right. It, it's no fun watching a race like that. So if it becomes a problem where multiple drivers are lo- are 
what debalminating tires is that the word uh, <laughs> if multiple tires debalminate during a race that's very discouraging for a fan absolutely so speaking of uh, speaking of tires right you might have to run your old ones i'd be a little careful though because there was a press release right that came out from Minnesota. so i'm gonna promote a product but i'm gonna tell you to be careful do it on your own <laughs> on your own right so top five moments of the week brought to you by our friends over at daytona one performance lubricants so lots of different products guys and their specialty overall right because they have oils they have lubricants they have tire treatment they got a lot of stuff but their mission right their goal is to take the parts that you currently are running on a race car or a lot of different purposes and make them last longer, right? That's what proper lubrication in an engine and gears, all of that is to help your stuff last longer. Well, they do the same concept with tires. Well, if you're running used tires, probably feel like, hey, I'm at a little disadvantage, right? Because new tires are definitely better than used ones. They fire off better, but they have a product out there. First of all, they have a cleaner. The cleaner, perfectly legal. This is a legal thing to use is the cleaner. It's called Aqua. And this is what I want you to understand. I did not know a lot about tires, but imagine it being a cookie sheet, right? Or you're baking a cake. Well, you spray Pam cooking spray in the pan, right? And you bake the cake and you have that in there. So the cake comes out of the pan, okay? Well, Aqua is to help remove the release agent in tires. So when they make a tire, they have a mold. They got to spray a bunch of stuff, like a waxy substance in the mold to get the tire out. Aqua is a product they have perfectly legal. This is a legal product that actually when you wash it with, with Aqua and you rinse it, it's going to pull that waxy substance out of the tire. That's not part of the, pro that's part of the process of making the tire. That's not part of the ingredients in the tire. So you want to get that out of there to have a more consistent, uh, more consistent performance. Now, they also have tire treatments that are going to help you get more life out of your tires and allow those tires to fire, be better. And if you want more information on these products, give Chad a call, 507-828-3536. He's a lot more educated than me when it comes to this. <clears throat> there are classes that even the tire treatments and other companies that have softener is perfectly legal, the Gen X late model series. And, uh, they have, they've had great success. They have a lot of guys running tires over a long period of time. They're doing that perfectly legal there. So the proof is there because they already ha are using them. Give him a call to get more information. So <clears throat> top five moments of the week, guys. Number five, this one's kind of fun. 13-year-old third-generation young gun wins his first ever championship in the USRA late model over at the Cedar Lake Speedway. So, Kroos, you're on your computer, right? Correct. Okay, can you do me a favor? Jump on to US. Go to my race pass. Go to. I should have did this. I forgot. Go to the USRA points. Let us know where he's at. So, Cade Nelson, of course, son of Daryl Nelson, Billy Nelson. If you're in the Twin Ports Hall of Famer, Daryl Nelson is going to be a Hall of Famer. He won it with an exclamation point, guys. 13-year-old driver, he kind of gave him a beatdown. His first feature win of the year at Cedar Lake kind of drove away from the field. There was a yellow late in the race, and he, I mean, he looks the part. Very, very good behind the wheel. Second, okay, so he's second in USRA national standings in the USRA late models. Track champion over at the Cedar Lake Speedway. Tip of the cap to him. Congratulations. 
I'm super excited as a fan of racing to see another Nelson driver going to be behind the wheel. And uh, the fact is, let's let's face it, once he gets really rolling, once he gets a couple more years under his belt, dad's probably going to be done. So he's going to be the guy to watch. So no different than Blake Adams in the Midwest Mont. So second in the USRA standings. I don't know when their season ends, but we will keep an eye on that as well. Number four, Jeff Cross. What do you got? A little Lucas Oil late ball action. What happened there? Yeah, they were out at uh, was Port Royal Speedway, correct? Kind of a um, kind of a high flying half mile, I think, so to speak. Um, had they um, definitely a good car count out there? Obviously, there's a lot. That region's got a there's a lot of locals and there's a lot of really good local runners out there. Cosner and Satterley, um, and and then boys, I think Flinner and those guys run out there too. And, uh, uh, the Stone is it Doug? Is the, Dan. Uh, the Stone? Dan. Uh, Dan Stone. Dan Stone, there you go. He was really fast, I thought, all weekend. And uh, so you throw the locals and then you throw all the other Lucas Oil guys in there. They put on a heck of a show. So obviously the main event um, Saturday, um, our boy, RT20, had a little uh, little bit of trouble in the heat race there. Had to pull the backup car out. Ended up started 25th and um, was watching the race. And all of a sudden, and everybody was watching him. Um, and like, you know, yes, Jonathan Davenport, the fans want the fast cars to start in the back because um, that's what happens. That's what we want. We want everybody's watching. When someone starts in the back like that, especially the well, the second hottest driver in uh, late model country right now. Um, he started 25th, and before you know it, he was in third, and before you know it, was in second, and then the yellow came out, and then um, he was done. And I don't. Do you know exactly what happened to uh, his car? Hole in the radiator. Gotcha. There you go. Everybody, no one really knew, and I didn't really stay around to listen to what's going on, but um, he was coming, and he was definitely, um, you know, announcers are saying, well, did he use his stuff up? Did he use his stuff up? Well, I mean, if you watch the race up front, Davenport and Huddy and those guys were really using their stuff up, um, and, you know, when you're back in traffic, your lap times aren't as fast as the guys out front, so technically you're probably going to have you know, you might have a little bit more tire. You might have a little bit more. So I, I don't buy into that use your stuff up. Those guys are pretty good at saving their stuff. But uh, he ended up breaking, and um, Davenport was in the lead, and then um, Hudson O'Neill got up on the wheel and, and drove by him. And they had another late race caution, I think about three or four to go, and Hudson O'Neill ended up pulling away. Uh, Mike Marlar, I thought, was fast all weekend, too, ended up second. I thought there for a little bit he was going to contend, and then he kind of faded. Um, then he kind of he, he faded about fourth or fifth, and then drove back up there. Um, Davenport, you know, ends up third. You know, he's kind of hanging around there. I don't think he's quite used to. He doesn't like just the podium. Um, he wants to be on top of the podium and, and be the guy. So uh, Matt Cosner, great run. Thinks moved up was about eleven spots or something like that to get up to fourth. He's another one of those locals. Um, Brandon Overton, I thought showed some speed. Too. I thought he was contending. I thought he showed some speed. Good to see him back. Um, you know, McCready and then Devin Moran, um, you know, I picked McCready, trying to get him going, but I, he was kind of irrelevant most of the night. But uh, I thought uh, track prep was great. They had a high side. I thought there was a bottom. Um, I thought overall it was good racing, and uh, it's good to see um, good to see the Rocket chassis uh, beat up on the Longhorns. Yeah, everybody's switching the Longhorn, and then Rocka says, hold my beer. We're going to go ahead and take this one here and shut everybody up for just a minute. So, yeah, congrats to Huddy on that. But, guys, just how good 
has dirt late model racing been this year compared to last year? I mean, for me watching, I'm like, the racing has been really, really good. I mean, there's been a couple that haven't been real good. But overall, I mean, I, I think the racing this year, I don't really know what's changed. But my goodness, it's been really, really good to watch. Uh, I agree. And I think uh, I think part of it might be the tracks that they're going to. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking of Bristol. You know, they didn't go to Bristol this year. And Bristol was no no fun to watch if you're a late model fan. So maybe that uh, clouded our our memory a little bit. But uh, but yeah, the racing's been really good, and you know that's what's really surprising about how dominant RTJ is. Um, is you know there's so many other good drivers out there, but you know he just seems like he's well him and Bobby Pierce, you know, in the two different uh, series are just so much better seem to be so much better than the other drivers once the final results come out. So, Jeff, I'm going to ask you this question. I think I don't really think there, there's a whole lot different of the cars. I really, truly don't believe there is. They got the same car, right? So the only real difference is in the shocks. But let's be honest, most of their shocks are pretty darn close. The word I'm going to use is confidence, right? There's a lot of – when you go to a special, you could be – if you're rolling in there, you got the same exact car as five other guys, but if, you, if you're if you on a winning streak and you're hot, you can literally drive that car way harder. And when you watch the 20RT and the 32, they're willing to put their car in places that other people simply are not willing to because their confidence is way up here. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, you 100% is exactly what I was going to say. Um, those two show up expecting to win. Um, I don't think Jonathan Davenport is right now. Overton's not. Uh, Marlar, McCready, these guys, their confidence isn't where it needs to be right now. I don't think Madden is. I think one guy whose confidence is shooting up through the roof is Shepard. Um, I think Shepard's confidence is starting to grow a little bit. He's like a thousand things going on, switching chassis, switching shocks, building new shop. He's got 38 kids running around everywhere. Um, you know, he's starting to uh, settle down and get used to things, things. So, uh, it's 100% confidence. Those guys get on the track. They're going to win every time they go out there and you can just see that. And, it, and that's why they're winning right now. And I, I, the rest of those guys, they don't have a hundred percent confidence right now. I, I have a question for you too, because, uh, Jeff, you race now and Ryan, you used to race. Um, I mean, have you ever been part of a situation where you were racing against the driver and that driver was just winning week after week. And, you know, how does that affect you mentally when, for example, with RTJ, you know, he's dominating, he has to start at the tail uh, of the race. So as a driver, you're thinking, okay, he's in the back. I don't need to worry about him this race. And then he catches up and he's right there at the end. Anyway, is that a little bit uh, demoralizing for, you as a driver to see that driver be able to march through the field like that? 100%. So I, I think back to days when I was in the modified racing against Kelly Esty up in Hibbing, Proctor. Um, Rapids, I think I had his number. But in Hibbing and Proctor, man, I tell you what, that guy was incredibly hard to beat. So you'd get out front, all of a sudden there'd be a yellow, right? And you'd look kind of back on the yellow to see who's there. There's Esty, and you're like, shit, here we go again, right? And the minute he gets inside you, you're like, well, he gets inside you, this deal's over. You just kind of had that in your mind. 
But then all of a sudden, if, if you passed him, you got a little clicking, you got a little little going on, and you snuck one by him, then that confidence starts to raise. But I, I can tell you right now that when you have a few guys that you're racing against that are just on their game, and if you're just a little bit off, it, it plays with your mind for sure. Jeff? Yeah, you're 100% correct. And, you know, I raced against Scott Danzeason for a few years there, uh, especially at Viking Speedway. I mean, I don't care what he was in. He was in a wheelbarrow or a go-kart or whatever it was. Um, and that, you know, another twist of this, that thing we're bringing up here, that was back when it was draw-redraw. I think the point average from a driver's standpoint has really helped that because usually if you're fast at a track, you're starting side by side. You know, like the other night it was, you know, Matt Miller, Trevor Sauer, and myself, we're all starting in the third or fourth row. You know what I mean? Not like back in the old day, Tim Johnson would draw the pole and you draw eighth. Why pull out on the track? So it's it's a big mental thing out there, you know. Um, so it's 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 definitely huge, Bert. And you know, to watch RTJ drive by all those guys, it's you know maybe they were thinking, ah, we're going to get him a bad night, and maybe we can get rolling. But he's like, nope, sorry guys, I'm just going to drive right by you and go on to win again, and not give you any confidence at all. I'd like to go back and watch those races, both. Davenport feature and the the Port Royal feature, and and I don't know this, but I'd be curious to see when RTJ was done. Do you think Huddy found another gear? Do you think that that all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, I could win this thing now? Do you think he kind of picked up the pace a little bit? It looked to me like he started carving the cushion way harder after RTJ broke. I don't know if that's one hundred percent true, but just a theory here, a little speculation. What do you guys think? I mean, that could be the case. I mean, uh, you know, one of your top competitors is eliminated and you know that the race is coming to a, a conclusion soon. So, um, you know, I have I've raced go-karts. I haven't raced cars, but I would assume, you know, at the end of the race, you drive it, you know, as hard as you can to try to get the victory. So let's jump on to number three here, boys. Uh, and, Bert, we're going to let you take this one away. Let's head over to eastern Wisconsin, another high-flying half-mile over there. Yeah, uh, Dirt Kings uh, were at Channel Speedway on Saturday night, uh, 24 uh, late models there, so good car count. And um, it was uh, interesting in the heat race because uh, Nick Avalink, what drew, drew the front row for his heat race, and he was well on his way to a victory. And he got to about the flag stand, and all of a sudden there was smoke coming out of his car. Everybody assumed that he that the engine let go, uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, he he actually broke a shock, and so I'm assuming there's fluid inside the shock, so that would get on the on the headers and of the car, which would cause the smoke. Does yes. that sound yep. okay? Yep, that's correct. Yep. So, yeah, so that that's what happened to him. Everybody assumed that, you know, he was done for the night, that he had blown in the motor. And, well, it's funny because with our pickums, everybody picked Avalink except for one one person. They picked Mullen. Well, he was in that same heat race, and he pulled off in that same heat race because he clipped the inside tire and the nose was digging into the track. So uh, they both, I think uh, Mullen started night. 19th in the feature and Nick started 20th in the feature. Uh, Nick did get up to ninth, uh, uh, finished ninth. So, you know, he, he did advance up, but uh, um, Terry Casey returned to Shano Speedway for the first time 
boy, early 2000s, I would say, was the last time that Casey was there. And he drew the front row, and he pulled out to about a quarter lap lead uh, over Troy Springborn. Springborn started sixth, but he made his way to second fairly quick, I would say within the first 10 laps. And uh, Casey was having a difficult time uh, maneuvering through traffic. The track didn't lock down, uh, but the bottom groove was definitely the preferred line, but you could maneuver a little bit. Um, and uh, Nick caught, or uh, Troy caught Casey, and for probably about 10 laps, they battled. You know, Troy got alongside of them a few times, and they sliced and diced in different grooves, different lanes, and uh, I didn't think... Tr Troy was going to be able to do it. Um, but uh, Troy got to the inside of Casey coming out of two, going down the back stretch on the final lap. And Casey drove it hard into three. And when I saw that, you know, he drifted up just a little bit, which allowed Troy to duck underneath. And uh, it was a drag race from turn four to the checkered flag. And Troy won by, by about a half a car length. I was yelling at Terry Casey. Me and, me and Jim were watching this. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this guy, right? He yeah. gave that race away. The bottom was dominant. The The second lane up was all kind of dirty, marbly. Mm -hmm. and uh, Terry, But Troy Springborn, talk about the kind of the psychological thing, right? He knows how good and experienced uh, Springborn is at, well, everywhere, but especially at Shano. And when he kind of showed his nose, Casey just lost his mind. He started driving harder, missing his mark. And uh, that's all it took is one time sliding up the racetrack, left the bottom open, literally gave that win away. Congratulations to Springborn. Um, the head games got it, and the experience paid uh, paid dividends. Well, and another thing, Troy was able to get to the outside of KC a couple of times. So, you know, you know, we're talking about confidence and, you know, what you're thinking. You know, so, you know, if Casey's got to be thinking, is he going to go outside? Is he going to go inside? And then. You know, he went inside and Casey just drove it hard into three, which, you know, he, he didn't lose control, but he just drifted up just enough to allow Springborn underneath. How was the crowd when that happened? I mean, is it a pretty energetic crowd there? I mean, that's a last lap pass for the win at a late model special. Does the crowd get pretty excited there at uh, at Shano? Yeah, that's one of that's one of the great things that I love about Shano is the crowd is very vocal. It's probably probably not as vocal as it used to be, but like when Terry Avalink and MJ McBride and Pete Parker were racing, oh, that crowd was just electric. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, speaking of electric, right? Let's go to number two. The one TPO Tyler Peterson is on a roll. I'm telling you guys, he's poised to be the 2023 Wasota uh, late model national champion after back-to-back -back modified titles. Guys, he's racing exactly three structural buildings Wasota late model challenge series events. He has a first, first, and a first. He won all three of them. So you can't say, well, he's kind of cherry-picking. He's going here. No, he went to three challenge series races. He won all three. And by the way, he passed this guy, might have heard of him, Pat Doerr, at two of them to win. So Tyler Peterson making a statement, and I tell you what, he could 20 shows, tw they take your best 20 shows, he could hit 20 wins possibly by the end of this Labor Day weekend. So keep an eye, congratulations, Tyler Peterson. 
modified, not running quite as much. I mean, he's still fast in that, but the late model is his primary focus in uh, trying to seal up a natty. Um, you guys get to watch Tyler Peterson at all at Ogilvy by chance. I know he won think, at I-94 as well, but I'm telling you what, he looked really smooth. That car rotates really good at Ogilvy. I did not Either see one. any of those races. And number one, let's stick with the big O racing. I tell you what, the, the tip of the cap right there to the track prep crew because the racing has been pretty good. And uh, I'm Bert, you and I, maybe Jeff too, but you and I for sure, we're big points. We we love following a championship battle. And it was single-digit points between Jody Belfi and Shane Sabraski coming into the final night of track points at Ogilvy. And they battled it out. I think JT, I think JT Johnson, I think actually won. But all three of them, you could have put a, a blanket over the top three for like at least the last ten laps, and they battled it out. Belfi ends up edging them out. Great race. It's on Dirt Race Central, but that wasn't the most exciting thing. Jody Belfi helped with several other drivers. Too many to list, but I know Jody was very instrumental in this. Um, he put together a Hope for Kids night over at Ogilvy, and and a lot of the drivers, including him, I think Shane as well, they actually took their winnings and donated it back to Hope for Kids. Very cool deal. In between there, and I think they did some stuff over at the Granite City Motor Park, it was right around $25,000 they raised for Hope for Kids. So, uh, Jody Belfi, congrats on the championship, and thank you for uh, all the cool things like this that you continue to do for dirt track racing. So let's jump on to the next topic here, guys. A little who's hot and who's not brought to you by Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating of Ashland, Wisconsin, home of the Galloper chassis. I used to run one of those in the modified. Got a few wins in an old Galloper chassis. But they do a lot more than build cars. They do a lot of fabrication. They got a custom fab shop, powder coating, sandblasting. They got they they have, they're the parts vendor at many area tracks throughout the Northland. If you need tires, parts, safety equipment, by the way, title sponsor of the Fastlane Northland Superstock Series. So they do a lot for racing. Give Chris a call over at Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating for all your dirt track needs. So who's hot? Let's start with you, Bert. Who you got? Um, I'm going to go with uh, some buggy action and go with uh, Logan Schuhart. Um, he's strung together a few wins and uh, um, definitely deserves to be on the hot list. Yeah, won the million, but he doubled up this week and kind of gave old uh, Buggy Bobby, uh, gave Sheldon Child a little bit of an education. Kind of worked him over pretty good, so Schuhart hot. Uh, who else you got maybe on a local level? Uh, local level, I'm going to go with uh, Troy Springborn. I mean, obviously, he won the Dirt Kings race, uh, but uh, uh, he won. He missed the previous week at Chano because he raced at uh, uh, Mississippi Thunder and Deer Creek. And he had some pretty good finishes there, but he won the feature in Chano the week before that. So, you know, his last two races at Chano Speedway, he's won the feature there. Awesome. Kraus? Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, it's pretty much the same old, same old on the national scene. It hasn't really been, um, you know, I want to see if Brandon Shepard can put a cup, put a streak together here. Maybe he can get hot, but uh, it's pretty much, you know, Thornton was going to win. Pierce was going to, 
my bold prediction was going to come true until he blew that tire because no one was going to catch him Saturday at Davenport. So pretty much the same old, same old. But a couple local guys, uh, Brady Gertis is on a rail right now in that modified. Um, I, I was looking it up, I think. And if he went to Balminated that tire in um, at Cheyenne River, um, he would have probably done a little bit better at the Mod Tour. But he's, he's got a bunch of wins. His last, like, nine shows is worse. Other than the, when he Balminated tire in Cheyenne, his worst finish is second place. Um, he swept. He won uh, I-94 on Friday, won Viking again on Saturday. He won the Moonshine Mod Tour title. Um, super hot right now. Really interesting to see. He's going to be a player – um, at the 100 and anywhere he goes at the end of the year. And then uh, Justin Vogel, he's got eight wins in, um, he's got eight wins in August. Um, he almost swept the weekend. He got second at Monty on, uh, on Friday. I didn't quite see the, how that happened, um, but I know he, um, Pete's great race. He, put on a pretty good show at Viking and it drive through some guys and won there. So those are a couple, um, couple hot guys. And I think, you know, two hot guys to watch out special season. Those two will be in contention no matter where they go. Yeah. They've been, they've been really good. And I had Vogel on my list as well. And I, I'm kind of, we're going to do another episode here. You and I on, on the points deal and a couple specials, but Justin Vogel right now is literally only three wins behind Braden Brower. See, I thought the national championship race in the street stocks was going to be between Braden Brower and Tucker Peterson. Tucker Peterson only has four um, full car count wins. Guys, Justin Vogel has 14. Braden Brower only has nine. So he's only three wins behind him. And I tell you what, those three drivers, if I had to bet, I think Peterson's the odd man out. I'd probably lock him in at third. It is going to be an epic battle between Brower and Vogel to close out this national championship, and I'm excited for it. So I have Tyler Peterson. I mean, that's kind of an easy one, right? I mean, 16 wins as a rookie in the Wasota Late Model Division. I mean, that's unbelievable. And it's not just like I start in front. I'm kind of like local races. He's winning some big races, right, Challenge Series stuff. And he performs. It seems like if he unloads, that car is so good, and he's, he's just got great car control. I mean – Keep an eye on him. He's another guy that could make some noise come invitational season. I had Vogel as well. And then another guy to keep an eye on here that this one here, I'm really excited about come in by time, Jeff Massingill. So Jeffrey Massingill, nine of his last 10 have been in the top five. Most of them have been on the podium this weekend. He got second and first in the challenge series races, 10th to second at Ogilvy. Now, he drove by Tyler Peterson, but then he got into lap traffic, got pinned behind a lapper. TPO got back by him and just drove off into the sunset. Almost won that from 10th, and he did win from 5th at Granite City. two year, Three years ago, I was very, very high on Massingo. Very high. Like He was on the podium like every night at specials. Just a great postseason. The last two years, he's in a sniper. That car just didn't fit him. He struggled mightily with that sniper. Okay, terrible. Now he's back in the kryptonite. That kryptonite car, that's the one he ran three years ago that was extremely fast. It hasn't missed a beat. He had a bent housing the early part of the season, found that ever since they found it. That 6M has been really, really good. A guy to keep an eye on this weekend for sure. Who's not, Bert? 
Uh, nationally, I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Herb. Uh, just, I mean, he he may have decent finishes in the final finish of races, but just using the eye test, I mean, he's not, he's really never challenging for wins, not challenging for podiums. He just doesn't, doesn't seem something's missing from that team right now. Well, and we all know that, uh, you know, he lost his crew chief earlier this year. So uh, maybe that is a, plays a factor in that. How about locally? Uh, locally, um, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Ritchie. Um, you know, he just hasn't been, he hasn't found victory lane. I don't know if he's found victory lane at all this year. Uh, Saturday night in the Dirt Kings race, he wound up pulling off the tr- pulling off midway through the race. And, uh, you know, I guess you can't measure him by victories because he did win the Dirt Kings championship without winning a feature. Uh, but, you know, he's just not, He's not having the type of year that he had when he won the championship, that's for sure. Correct. Jeff Krause, who do you got on the not hot list? Well, we were going with uh, – yeah, Bert took mine, so I was scrambling here to find anybody. And, and you know, I think the flip side on that, Bert, I think everybody wants to see Turbo do well, um, you know, especially after that big win he had there at the Dome and his dad passing away. Maybe that's got something to do with it too, I know. It sounds like if his parents were part owners of that team, I think from the sounds of it, had a bunch of money wrapped up into that deal. And I, I don't know. I, he wants to do well. I know that. He wants to race. And I, and I think the flip side is I think the fans want to see him too because when he gets up there, he's exciting and he's fun to watch. So I, hopefully we can get Turbo going. And uh, locally, I, I got to do it, Ryan. I Got to go with Dave Moss. Sorry, sorry to even talk about him. I know you don't even like talking about him. No, I'm just kidding you, Dave. We like giving you our time. You know that. But um, we're just used to seeing him up front. And um, he's one of the all-time greats. There's, he's the second greatest super stock driver out there. That was that was decided a few years ago when they had the big poll, right, Ryan? I know you were pretty proud about that. But, uh, you know, I think everybody wants to see him up front, get going a little bit in that late model and, and, and get contention with these guys and, Throw another monkey wrench into TPO and those guys. He's capable of that. He's obviously won some races and can do some things well. So um, he's. I just think he looks like he's struggling a little bit, and um, maybe he'll get her going. I'm very surprised by that, too, because before the season started, I kind of anticipated that he was going to be one of the drivers in the national title hunt. I thought for sure, you know, between running, he was going to run some shows at Ogilvy and you know, Granted had a couple, and then, of course, I-94. But, yeah, he's just been a, a basically a non-factor. He's had a couple good, you know, shining moments, but just not the Dave Moss we're used to. So <clears throat> I'm going to go on the national level, and uh, I got this one from our boy Jeff, not Jeff Cross, the other Jeff, um, Devin Moran. So he's just kind of been also there. I mean, slightly better than Turbo. And then all of a sudden the Facebook post comes up and I, whatever it cuddling's your thing. And he's all lovey dovey. Oh man, I'm so in love and I can't wait till December and I'm getting married. <laughs> and I'm Guy stay. What the hell are you doing? Focus on getting your race car faster. You can deal with that later. Right. I, I said the same thing about Brandon Shepard. He'd been domesticated, right? He kind of, he lost that eye of the tiger. He's cuddling too much. That shit makes you slow, right? 
Conley makes you slow. My my pit guy Jim told me that you can't be doing that. That's for off season stuff, right? So you got you got after the dome till speed weeks. That's when you get to cuddle if you're a national late model guy, not during the season. Okay, that that's just not a thing. Devin Moran, he's on the not hot list now. Locally, got a couple here. I got I got Pat Nor guys. Two nights this weekend in the Challenge Series, he went backwards. He got fourth both nights. One night he started third. One night he started front row. That does not happen very often with the Double One Express. So this is the time of year where the cream rises to the top. A lot of money on the line. He's the second biggest winner, second all-time in, in Labor Day shootout wins. You know, if there's a place for him to rebound, this is it. But Pat Doerr, as strong as he started, it's not like he's been terrible by any means, but as strong as he started the season, he's just kind of plateaued. And then in the modifieds, I got I got to do it again. I got to do it again. Big circles, not little circles. Big ovals, not little circles. Johnny Broking kind of was facing the wrong way a couple times this weekend and uh I, I didn't see it on video in Bemidji. He started front row and kind of forced it in there and spun out. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. And he's like, yeah, I just screwed up. This is the time of year. I've been saying it all year. He's the second most winning driver in 2023 as far as Wasota Mod wins. But none of them have been big wins. This is the weekend. Johnny, get your happy ass off the not hot list and park that 45J in victory lane where it belongs. Right. Uh, do you want to know why Pat Doerr's struggling? Red. No. Yeah, he, red car. Stupid. He doesn't have the fastest car. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> nice. Well played. Well played. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> so, little fan fan feedback here. Brought to you by our friends over at buyracerch.com. If you need hats, hoodies, shirts, if you need it for your race team, your racetrack, your series, business, whatever it is, go to a place that is a huge part of the racing community. Heck, they race at a very high level themselves, but uh, go to buyracerch.com for all your apparel needs. So, guys, kind of fun week last week. We had a lot of different stuff on Facebook, and the, the comments were crazy. I mean, unbelievable the amount of hate mail that Buzzy Adams gets. Like, he's like one of my favorite guys to watch race Barnum, he is literally a human highlight reel. And some idiot from Alexandria said that what he did in Rice Lake is entertaining. Well, at least that's what one <laughs> of the fans said. He called old Gold Krause here an idiot because he thinks it's entertaining. He got no fine. He got no fine. He got no penalty. He got no suspension. Didn't think that was going to happen. But oh my God, did my inbox blow up with all the people that are like, this is BS, it's favoritism, and all that. And it's pretty split because there's there's definitely some fans out there saying, hey, didn't, I mean, it wasn't a huge deal. But pretty good feedback there. Pretty good feedback. So keep it coming. Carter Matthews, the Hornet driver that, that kind of been flagged a little bit for rough driving, that one got pretty darn heated. He, uh, guys, he got a year off. So it ended up being a $250 fine, not 1000 He gave him a $250 fine. Loss of all national points. He's your na- he was your national point leader in a one-year suspension. Kraus, didn't he come down? He came down to the old uh, Viking Speedway, didn't he? Uh, he did, and we um, he came down and super nice guy. 
um, was he was he think he got third or fourth, but he was battling like three, four wide the whole race. Didn't touch the car. Was super clean. Um, we did have a couple short tracker guys say, "Hey, what's going on? Why is he here?" I said, "Well, hold on here a sec. We're not with Soda. He can run here." We talked to him. Uh, the flag man top said, "Hey, we're we watching you. We know what happened." And they said, "Yep, nope. I get it. I'm sorry." Um, it, it got the best of me. The points got the best of me. Um, he just said, Hey, it's, I just, I just lost my cool. And he kind of, you know, he didn't think he deserved that big a penalty, but he, he, he said, yeah, something should have probably been done to me. So, um, he was super cool, super nice, did a good job and plans on coming back down to the, our, our Labor Day doubleheader this weekend. You know, I'm glad to hear that. Right. Cause he showed that that's that's being professional. He kind of owned it, right? And I I personally haven't talked to him, but from what I'm getting out of this, he's like, you know what? What I did was wrong, you know, and I did deserve to get something. And and there's some people on there that are just Carter Matthews haters, right? Because maybe they compete with him and whatever. Right? I mean, that's their deal. And they're like, oh man, he needs a year off. Well, in the history of Wissota racing. There's never been one single driver kicked out for a year for rough driving. That's not been a thing. So, I mean, it's, it's too excessive. It's done. It's over with. It is what it is. But, unfortunate, glad glad to see there's some tracks out there not with Soda on the Hornets. And uh, he's able to go still race that 07 car. Um, also, clear that a lot of people aren't real happy with Hoosier. There was a lot of feedback on that one as well with the tires coming apart. You might want to take a look at that. But we have a, got a handful of questions here, comments that came from some listeners. First one came from Jay. And Jay said, seems like there's a lot of BS. And Bert, you alluded to this over in eastern Wisconsin. It's just been all drama, right? It's everywhere. Drama everywhere, right? So with all the drama and BS and the high cost of racing and, and getting into a, another, uh, you know, politic year here with the election coming up and all that type of stuff, and, and now there's supposedly a new strain of COVID, which that's probably going to play havoc on the economy as well. With all that said, is racing on a local level as we knew it on the way out? Is it on the rise or is it on the fall? What's your guys' thoughts? Um, I mean, racing is ever-evolving. Um, I mean... How many times have you been talking to an old timer and they said, you know, back in the 70s, you know, when we raced, you know, the stands were packed and this and that. And yeah, I mean, you look at pictures from the 70s, 60s and 70s, stands were packed. But you know, like we discussed on the show a lot, there's so many more different things grabbing at for your money, you know there's so many different things that people can do now rather than go to the races. Um, I don't think racing's ever going to go away. Well, let me rephrase. I don't think racing's going to go away in the next several years, the way we know it. Uh, I think what's going to affect racing is once we get into uh, EV vehicles and there's more uh, pressure from politics on fossil fuels and that sort of thing yeah i mean things are changing and I, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole this i'm actually going to segue in another question kind of tie it all together because pete actually asked so barry braun owns xr he posted on facebook a picture and you know he just talked about he goes racing is is at an all-time high you know 
just raving about record crowds, you know, and, and how the sport is thriving. So on a national level, right, super late model racing, I think maybe it is thriving there. I agree. On a local level, I feel like it's maybe going the wrong way, you know, and, and he actually, this, the Jay actually went on to say, I got a couple of race cars and I'm just, I, I don't know if I want to keep doing it. Dude, like you got to keep going. Don't be a quitter. I was a quitter. I regretted every day. I wish I still had a race car. Don't sell the car because you want to you want to have something to do. But Kraus, I mean, what do you think about racing as a whole? With, the, with I mean, there is just more drama. Everybody's triggered by something. The cost. I mean, you used to race three nights a week, pretty regular. Now you're racing one night a week. I mean, what? Why? You know, why Why have you decided to taper down? How does that relate to these questions? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. It's chasing my daughter around in the summer now. The kids are getting older and stuff like that, sports and things like that. But the the main thing right now is, is the cost of diesel. I mean, I used to drive – I used to go KRA Monty Fergus on – or Fergus and come back to Viking for 60, 65 bucks and put 20 bucks in the generator. I'd be good. I mean, you're going to drop two two fifty right now, easy. Um, tires have gone up. My race fuel is fourteen dollars a gallon. Um, you know, and what what have the payouts done, Ryan? Stayed the, the same. And in a lot of cases, many many tracks, the payouts have actually gone down. One hundred percent. So you know, I used to be able to race my super and you know do I was you know I used to do pretty well. I'd win ten fifteen features a year and you know, run 40, 50 shows and, you know, I'd have, you know, 40 top fives and you know what I mean? You can do that. You're putting six to thousand dollars back in your checkbook every week. And that's not the case right now. Um, you know, and I, I think, it, you know, nationally, I think the big thing has just been the streaming. Um, you can watch racing almost every day of the week and people, I think it's, it's hurt. It's, it's hurt racing locally. 100% has. Um, and I, I think as far as locally, I really think racing is leveled off right now. If you look at car counts with Wasota the last three, four years, they're about the same. You know, they haven't dropped off as much as people think. It's about the same. You know, car counts have been pretty level. We're at a tipping point right now. Which way is it going to go? Are we going to get these costs down so we can get the cars back up? Um, so I think that's going to bring more fans to it. Or is the cost going to keep going up? We're going to keep losing cars, low weekly shows down to 40, 50 cars already. So we're at a tipping point right now. I, I really think so. And I'm, that's from a driver and from a promoter side of things too is, um, you know, we're in the lakes area over here in Alexandria and there's concerts going on every night. There's people out on the lake and, you know, we're trying to do kids nights and extra things and giveaways and try to get people to the races, not for the racing. Um, so it's, it, it, it's, it's, I really think it's at a tipping point right now. Um, and I think, I think we, the tracks, we need help from Minnesota. I think the drivers need help from Minnesota. I think everybody needs help and there's enough passionate people out there that want to race and keep doing it. Um, but we need to, the main thing is the cost of these cars. If you're, you're with the sports getting killed right now by the cost of these cars, it's, it's just the reason why I have a four or five year old car right now is I, I can't afford to buy a brand new chassis and, and transfer my stuff over. You know, I'm I'm a family owned small market team. So we're at a tipping point here and obviously everybody wants to see it do well. So um, hopefully we can uh, keep growing and, and staying stable at the local level. 
and I'd like to add on about the cost of racing and the cost of the cars. I mean, Ryan, I sent you that picture earlier this week uh, in eastern Wisconsin. There's somebody um, they're trying to sell a IMCA Sport Mod, which is maybe not the very beginner class, but it's considered a beginner class in IMCA. IMCA Sport Mod turnkey $29,000. And I mean, who can afford, you know, if you want to get into racing, you can't, you can't expect somebody to invest $30,000 just to get started in racing in a, in a beginner division. You know, it's, it's not a winning formula for, for survival. And then also I want to touch on the crowds. Um, I think for specials, the crowds are very good national level. They are good. Uh, just as an example, um, Shano Speedway, you know, they had the Dirt Kings this, this last week. And, you know, it, it was one of the larger crowds in the last several weeks. And, and, you know, we touched on this last week when we talked about that new special being added. People want to see the best racers converge on, into one venue to duke it out. You know, and when that happens, the crowds, you know, will show up to watch the racing. But like Jeff said, you can't just promote for the racing. You have to promote other things that go along with the show. 100% agree. So I got another one here. This one here comes from uh, from Joe. Speaking of national racing, late model series, a little bit of news, right, in the super late model stuff. Um, Bruning went to Longhorn. Clanton sounds like he's going to be done at the end of the year. Rumor has it he could end up being the tech director for Lucas Oil. Um, then we saw Chris Madden, right? He jumped into a Longhorn now. And Longhorn made the, the post out there, Steve Arpin did, that they uh, T-Mac no longer the house car driver um, for 2024. And they are going to take a look at the house car program moving into the 2024 season. So Joe says, what do you think is going to happen there? What What's your thoughts? Do you guys have any thoughts? I have a couple thoughts. But what do you think uh, – what do you think is going to happen? What do you think should happen? What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't even know T-Mac was the house car driver. Um, so I, I'm not exactly sure uh, um, what benefits the house car driver gets, what that team gets. Um, and, you know, they didn't go into, they just said it was a mutual decision. They didn't go into what it was. And, you know, this is just me wondering i mean and we've talked about this on the show was t-mac not racing enough to be the house car you know does longhorn want their house driver to be racing more because t-mac basically just races lucas and that's that's it um like i said that's just me speculating that came to my mind i don't know if that had anything to do with it or not um yeah. as far oh no go sorry. ahead go ahead no, you're still, I thought you were done. My bad. Keep going. Keep going. Well, I was just going to say, as far as the driver stepping in, you know, I don't know. I mean, you could say Brandon Shepard, but he's only been in a Longhorn one year. What, what, how does that make the drivers feel that have been racing a Longhorn for, for several years or, you know, for quite a while. So it'll be interesting to see who they put in that car. Jeff? Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say there's not going to be a house car because I think Longhorn's in the position right now. They don't need one. Okay, they have everybody. Let's concentrate. I, I think they're getting themselves in a pickle right now. 
um, just because they have all these drivers in their Longhorns, well, you can't help everybody. You know what I mean? You, like someone's going to get mad. Someone's going to get upset. And and who knows? Maybe that was going on Rocket. I know that was going on with MB. Ryan, you and I talked about that. Um, not getting help. You know, Mars that one year left Eldora, the world, and all his MB guys got mad at him. You know what I mean? So um, they don't need a house car. I, I think they just need to concentrate on all their drivers, keep every try to keep everybody happy. You're trying to keep all those Longhorn guys happy is going to be absolutely impossible. You know, now especially got Madden jumping over. Um, you know how he gets. Um, he's he's pretty owly and uh, he's not afraid to rough some feathers and yell and scream. So um, I'm going to say I think they they don't need one. I think they need, just need to focus on helping everybody. You know, one other spin on this deal is the Rumley Five, right? Rumley's tied in with, I mean, the five and the six, I guess, but he's directly tied in with them, with Bilstein. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if they'd say, look, the Rumley car, that's the house car program, and then they kind of filter in drivers. You saw Overton drive it, B-Chef drove it, T-Mac was in it. You know, you see a few different drivers bouncing in and out of it. I can see them announcing, because the purpose of a house car is, A, marketing. We, we want our cars, what the house car winning, well, they're already winning everything. They don't need the house car. And R&D, and they got all the best drivers, that's kind of their R&D deal. So I wouldn't be surprised if that Rumley car ended up being the house car that way. Um, last one here, unnamed. Um, got one on points, but we'll save that for next week. So un this one's from an unnamed guy, okay? We're less than two weeks away from the greatest show on dirt in Wasota country, the Wasota 100 at the I-94 EMR Speedway. And and quite honestly, the show was great last year. I thought there were some fantastic features. But we're two weeks away. Guys, the IMCA Boone Super Nationals is this week. They have over a 1,000 drivers pre-registered to race that event. Wasota doesn't even have a list of drivers or anything that is pre-registered. The only thing I've seen on their marketing efforts were get your pit parking, right? And get your get your uh, camping spot, which costs literally three times as much as it costs to camp at Cedar Lake. He asks, where's the purse? Why have they not posted a purse? Where is, what are they doing? It's a week and a half away. Nobody knows what they're racing for. I remember last year, the executive director was soda. And this is a conversation I had with this gentleman is, he promised there's going to be all kinds of contingency awards at the 100, you think, right? Where, where's the promotion? If, in fact, there is, and these companies are giving a bunch of stuff away, why the hell aren't they promoting it? Why aren't, you know, like, if, for example, let's say Company A is giving a bunch of their product to the feature winners, don't you think they should be on Facebook see awards, or they're just not promoting anything? Jeff, as a promoter and as a racer, your thoughts on on just the way that they handle all of this? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. You know, I. <laughs> it's tough. I don't. Um, the flip side of me is as a driver. I, I don't. Uh, I haven't been there in a couple of years. It just like I said, I can't. Just right now, I'm full fledged into hockey, and you know, usually I should be pretty pumped. I'm the second winningest all time super stock driver at I ninety four history behind Tim Johnson, and should be going up there and. Few years ago, I was in contention, so it just just it just cost too much for me to go up there. Um, you know, you get all these emails saying, "Hey, do this, do this." Your renewals are open. Renewals are open. Well, drivers want to see the purse. 
want to see the format. What's it to start? What's the contingency stuff? What's going on? Is there vendors there? Who's all there? They want to get the hoopla going. You know, get the get the negative publicity behind. That's right now the the negative publicity is how much it costs. Put get that get that out of the way and get some positive stuff going. You know what I mean? Then people aren't going to realize. Oh, I spent two grand to go go race it with soda and get my 165 bucks back, you know, you know, they said they were going to take the AFCO race of champions money, I believe, and put that into the qualifying features, you know, where's, where's that payout so people can start planning ahead and start getting into it. And so say, Hey, Oh, look at now it's, you know, it's probably still one of the biggest features I've ever won was a Wednesday night at the qualifier. And I had Tim Johnson, Tommy Richard, Shane Barrett, and Dave Moss breathing down my neck. And I got 150 bucks to win that thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey, are we going to put some more money into that? Or I didn't even get a trophy. I didn't even get into victory lane. Or what? what's the hoopla about? You know what I mean? Let's get some positive vibes going here. Um, it just kind of seems like everything's kind of negative, negative, negative. Let's get some positive vibes going here. And, yeah, they've said oh, a couple drivers are coming. They made some posts. But we all know Shane Sabraski is going to be there and Trevor Nelson's going to be We all know that. You know what I mean? So, uh yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I, you know, I all the dirt came out and said, "Well, Soda 100 news inside." And I, I looked at it. Unless I missed something, there was like one half page or something with some info. So, yeah, definitely a little behind the eight ball here, and got to get going. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that completely. I, I'm, they got one event to do a year as an organization, one event, and it's it's a dumpster fire, and and they're like, "Oh man, you guys are hard on Wasoto." Well, do something to change it then. Give us something good to talk about. They And they don't. They just continuously. So, weekly pick-ems. Uh, we do this every week. We uh, take several races. You know, we got a group of drivers in or a group of uh, fans in our text feed, and we constantly are picking these races. And this brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. If you're self-employed, a business owner, if you're a family that's paying too much for health insurance, or if you don't have it because it just costs too much to even get it, I might be able to help. Can't promise you nothing, but I can get you a quote. I can get you the information you need. Give me a call. Give me a text, 218-969-1380. That's Impact Health Sharing. So last week, guys, we picked uh, the late models at Davenport. Of course, we talked about that, Pierce Pierce, and then Huddy won that. Um, another guy that ran good there, Madden, actually was fairly sporty. A little bit of drama there. I know that Bobby Pierce kind of had a pretty aggressive slider i thought maybe that was going to get a little dicey but uh davenport i'm so glad guys they got rid of that the, their quarter mile track races better than their half mile track um so it was kind of fun to see we picked uh lucas oil georgetown and port royal 20 rt one night one and then huddy with that race we talked about that world of outlaw sprint cars they raced at grand forks and fargo Late models were there in Grand Forks. I thought they were there at Fargo. That's a donkey award to me. We picked late models, incidentally, for Fargo. They didn't have late models, so them picks didn't count. Okay, so that's kind of on me. But Logan Schuhart, Bert talked about that. He doubled up. Um, and then I picked TPO, guys. I picked him to win at Grand Forks on Friday, and I even went as far as saying him and old Dustin Strand are going to have a little scuffle. That obviously didn't happen because TPO went to I-94. And I messaged him. I'm like, hey, great run. Congrats. Wrong track, jackass. Like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, did you see the track? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, kind of heavy. He goes, late models, when the World of Outlaw Sprints are in town at Grand Forks, are track packers. 
they tear up that like literally over half the field DNF because it was so muddy for the late models. He's like, I wanted no part in that. Gresseth, I think, also I think he went to Brown County or whatever. He always runs Grand Forks. So I guess I didn't think about that. TPO was right. Um, and if Shane Edgington, he's a pretty fun guy to watch. He got it done there. Dirt Kings, of course, Bert talked about it already. Challenge Series, TPO, and then Jeffrey Massingill, one night number two. So a little recap of where we all stand um, according to how we did this past week. Kent, Brad, and Carl, plus 10 on the week. Curtis, Bert, and Ryan, plus 9. Now, I had RTJ and a bunch of us did. RTJ and Bobby Pierce on uh, in their respective features. They were probably going to win and didn't. Dan had plus eight, Mike had plus seven, and a huge, huge congratulations to our friend up in Michigan. Um, Jeff got a point this week. One point for Jeff. Good job. Not Jeff Gross. <laughs> our standings, uh, Curtis at 140, Bert two points back at 138, Brad at 130, Mike at 124, Dan at 119. That's the top five. The old 71A at 116, Carl at 110. Kent at 109. Jeff, 103. See, Carl was literally getting his butt kicked all year long, and I guess the proof's in the pudding. Carl is the superior Erickson in the family, and it's showing right here as he is literally seven points ahead of his brother Jeff. So, Carl, great shout-out. Probably should put you on the hot list uh, for kind of showing your brother up here. Upcoming events, some shows we're going to pick. And is there any of those races, anything to touch on on any of those other races? We kind of touched on most everything, right? Is there anything yeah, that you want? Okay. Upcoming you're, events. You weren't going to give. Uh, you weren't going to give Casino a Donkey Award for leaving the uh, limited late model out in the weeds during the rest of the races. Why don't you fill everybody in on what happened? <laughs> they probably just, I, that was kind of interesting. Um. I, I laughed. I don't know. It's not funny. But so anyway, I, I didn't see it. I missed it. I was watching Casino Speedway on Sunday. Love great. Usually great racing out there, like watching it and the limited late models. Um, somebody went up over the wall, was sitting in the trees and turned for Bert. And uh, all the wreckers, four wheelers pulled over there. And they were literally like going like this, like, what? What are we going to do? Well, Bert, they just decided to leave the car in the woods for the rest of the night while the other cars were going around the tracks. It was like three, four features to go. So I didn't even see when they took the car out or what they did, but I I get it. But I, I don't know. I, if that was my car, I'd tell you one thing. My car wouldn't – I'd stand on the racetrack until they got my car out of there before another car went over the wall and really wrecked my car. So, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of interesting. I was – Every time the cars turn out of turn four, you could see the Dirt Race Central's there. You could see the camera. You could see the car in the background. And uh, it was it's one of those deals. Glad everybody was okay and hopefully the car is okay. But it was a pretty odd situation. Well, I, I hope they got the driver out before they just left the car there. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely was there. <laughs> and I thought about you, Jeff, because kind of a little hothead once in a while. I'm like, man, I wonder what him or Tom Nesbitt or – one of these guys would have did. We're just going to leave your car here for the rest of the night. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I'd probably, we would have heard about it on social media if something would have happened to the car. Um, fortunately, nothing did after the fact. So 
Yeah, that, that was interesting to say the least. So this week we're going to pick races. World of Outlaw Late Models, Mississippi Thunder Speedway, one of the best, well, both of these racetracks, Mississippi Thunder and Deer Creek, have had unbelievable races so far already in 2023. I don't think these ones are going to disappoint as well. They're going to be fun to watch. Lucas Oil Late Models are at Portsmouth and Tyler County. A couple big tracks that I, I I would just say, would I rather, I'd probably rather watch Mississippi Thunder and Deer Creek than Portsmouth and Tyler County. Probably going to watch both, but them tracks don't typically race quite as well. World of Outlaw Sprints, the Sage Fruit Nationals, triple header out at Skagit. And then they run Monday at Grays Harbor as well. So four races for the Woo Sprints. And then locally here, it's kind of the official start to invitational season. We're going to pick the Silver 1000 Mod and Lates at Proctor, Halverline Speedway, Wasota Classic, and the Labor Day Shootout we're also going to pick. So um, a lot of, lot of races to pick here this week. Should be exciting. And uh, we'll get into the last lap. We'll talk about special season in just a second. But before we jump into the last lap, a quick shout out to Dirt Track Supply in Watertown, South Dakota, home of the Aero Chassis. Um, Trevor actually had some pretty good runs here this weekend, so congrats to him on that. But him and his dad have done so much for racing. If you need parts, tires, safety equipment, fab work, bodies, aluminum, you need, you name it, that is your go-to, especially in the Watertown, South Dakota area. Check out Dirt Track Supply. So, Bert, you mentioned it early in the show, Wilmot Raceway. Now, do you have the press re or that that release or whatever in front of you? Or you can I just do kinda, not. You can just kind of give a little synopsis. So, Wilmot Raceway, Eastern Wisconsin. Um, just saying, it's Eastern Wisconsin. <laughs> you guys have had some craziness. What did they announce now? Well. I don't have it in front of me, but it's to the effect of um, there's no be no beer drinking in the pits, um, none whatsoever. Even if you're done racing, they, they used to let it slide, but uh, even no no drinking in the pits until after the races are over. And basically, all the all the haulers have to be gone within thirty minutes or an hour after the races conclude. Um, and nobody's allowed, I believe nobody's allowed in the pits after the races either. So every every sporting event I know of, from NHL hockey games to NFL to baseball games to WrestleMania to racing to NASCAR to everything, right? One thing they all have in common is that a lot of the fans are beer drinkers. That's what they do. They go there, have a few beers, watch the races. I, I don't drink beer, but there's a lot of fans that do, right? Viking Speedway really comes to mind here because – not that you guys are a bunch of drunks in Viking Speedway, but I had a I had a conversation with a friend of mine here a while back, and he says, "You know what? I go to Viking Speedway for the people for the post race. They're like the racing's good. I mean, every track has some good racing and some bad racing, but I don't go to the Viking Speedway for the racing. I go there because they get their show done pretty darn early, pretty pretty regularly, which gives me time to go down in the infield." Have a couple beers, hang out with the drivers, hang out with my friends, be part of the culture. And this freaking place is cancel culture. Welcome to 2023. Well, rumor has it there was a race team up there that decided that, you know, they'd have a few cocktails and it was liquid stupidity. And next thing you know, brawls were breaking out and they've happened, had it happen multiple times. And well, they're instead of just reprimanding that group of people or maybe having 
security or law enforcement there to kind of monitor it. They just went with the cancel culture and they said, nope, we're done with it. Races are done. Get the hell out of here. They might as well just close this place if that's going to be the case. This is absolute ridiculous. Your thoughts. So, Bert, you kind of brought this to our light. What is your thoughts on this? And then, Kraus, you've been a driver, a fan. You you hang around the post-race stuff. I want your thoughts as well. Uh, well, I mean, we kind of, uh, I mean, this kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what's the future of local racing. Um, the future of local racing are your young fans. And a lot of young fans like to go to the pits after the races. I mean, especially at least we're in eastern Wisconsin, you know, they like to take their checkered flags down there, have the drivers autograph the checkered flags. Uh, the majority of the drivers have uh, hot shots or hero cars, uh, you know, pictures of their race car with their sponsors listed on the back. They give give away those to the kids. And by doing this, you're really hurting um, the possibility of, of creating new fans for life. I, I totally agree, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. That's what's that's what's part about it, and uh, that's one reason why we wanted to speed our show up at Viking over the years. Get the get the fans down there, get the kids down there, and uh, there's a bunch of us. <laughs> we think we get sponsored by beer companies, just and we're not alcoholics, but you come down here and you get you get some free beer. I know Jason Tennis has got a free cooler. I got a free cooler here. Come down and. And have have a beer or two with your favorite driver, and have some fun, and hang out. And it, it's you know it. You've been to. I mean, we got a. There's a song. There's a song we sing to after the races to you, Ryan. So you know how it is on a Viking Speedway, and it's going to be like that this weekend. Um, um, I mean, every time Ricky Weiss used to race at, at Viking, and uh, first pit area he came down, and he come always him and Shane Edgington always come flying over to the twenty nine pit, and and hang out and, and BS with, with us. And uh, everybody comes over and Vogel and, and Satter, they all, they all know how to do it. You just have some fun. And uh, yeah, obviously you got to please things and make sure you keep some things safe. Just have some security around there and take care, but you can't, that's like you said, that's what people do. That's what they look forward to. They would come to races and go hang out with the drivers. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. And I, I, you know, I, hopefully they kind of change their mind for 2024, but Throughout the remainder of 2023, that's the way it is. So, cancel culture. It's it, you start kind of protecting yourself from bad things happening. Pretty soon, you have nothing left to protect yourself from. So, little sad news uh, in the racing world. Uh, Bert's got something over in Eastern Wisconsin, and you know Tom Nesbitt, one of the legendary racers of all time in Minnesota Country. Um, his wife uh, passed away here this this past week. So, thoughts and prayers to the family, friends, and all the fans and everybody that, that has known the Nesbitt family for so long. Just want to give my thoughts and prayers to them. Bert, uh, you mentioned something as well. Yeah. Uh, Shano Speedway posted this morning that uh, Scott Weisnick uh, lost his battle with cancer uh, yesterday. And um, we talked about uh, Scott Weisnick uh, on, on this show because it was in early August. Shano Speedway had a last lap uh, for, for him uh they let they let him uh take his ice car around the track and he got his picture taken in victory lane and you know he was all smiles and uh you know unfortunately the next day he went into hospice and uh 
lost his battle yesterday. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers go to uh, his family. You know, and that's one thing I really, really like about Shano is he they were able to do that before, you know, before it came to an end. And they, they do a lot of cool things. They had a lot of drama this year, but there's so many good things that happen over at Shano. So pretty cool about that. So St. Croix Speedway over at the track right next to Cedar Lake Speedway hasn't been open for a couple of years. Saw a press release here this week. The track has been sold. Future unknown. Um, somebody posted in the comments that it's going to be up to the new owners to post if they're racing or not. That verbiage kind of gave me speculation that it's probably not going to be racing. Otherwise, I don't think they would have said that, but uh, that's just speculation at this point. So we'll keep an eye on the old St. Croix Speedway, um, see what happens there. Uh, another thing, uh, Cobb Cook Grocery. So we think the legacy sponsors, right? So Kraus, I'm sure you have some in your area. Bert, I, I'm sure you do in your area. but there's certain businesses, right, that, like, they have been sponsoring the track or cars for decades. I mean, literally decades. Cobb Cook Grocery, that's the Peterlin family, okay, Kyle Peterlin's, you know, grandparents and all that. They've been, man, I'm telling you what, back into the 80s, Cobb Cook Grocery was a sponsor of the Hibbing Raceway, sponsor of many, many, many race cars, and uh, no longer part of the Peterlin family. Um, they, they sold the business. Uh, some new people in town bought it. Hopefully, they still support racing the same way that Cobb Cook Grocery has for years. But uh, just a, a shout-out to the Peterland family, Cobb Cook Grocery, the legacy they have there, because there's not a lot of legacy sponsors like that. So um, another thing here, guys, quick happy birthday to Brad Parson. His birthday yesterday. So sponsor of the show, we got to wish him a happy birthday. Uh, postseason is here. So, Bert, you talked about this before. This ain't a thing, really, in eastern Wisconsin. But in Wasota country, this is a thing. This is this is a thing. Regular season races end the week prior. The points battles typically end the week prior to Labor Day. Thursday of Labor Day weekend, the granddaddy of them all, the 51st annual Silver 1000 up at the Helverline Speedway in Proctor. That kicks things off. Then they go to the Wasota Classic in Grand Rapids, a pair of Labor Day shootout races in Hibbing. Tons of racing all over, right? You got you got the Big Buck Nationals out at Brown County Speedway in Aberdeen. Kraus, I'll let you talk about this in a second here. Viking Speedway, they got a doubleheader, enhanced pay in all their classes. Greenbush has a, a pair of uh, races Saturday and Sunday. Rice Lake, Madison has one on Monday. Casino has one coming up here as well. Uh, the Hangover. So, I want to know to you guys, right? Because I know you don't have this in eastern Wisconsin, Bert, but you've been over in our neck of the woods, so to speak, for these. What does this time of year mean to you? And is there any just one postseason memory that, that you guys have? When you, when you think about invitational season, what comes to mind? Uh, well, first of all, I'm envious of uh... – you guys in the western part of Wisconsin and in uh, eastern Minnesota because you guys have a plethora of uh, special events at the end of the year um, and not just special events but they're long-standing special events that have a history uh, behind them and that that's part of what makes them special um, probably the special that I'm more familiar with is uh, Punky Manor 
because uh, when I was involved in MJ's race team, uh, he would he we'd go race at the Punky Manor every year. I mean, that was a race that uh, MJ wanted to win. Uh, he never did win it. But uh, my first year on his crew, it, it was in 1990. He actually finished third. I think that's the highest he ever finished uh, when I was in his crew. So that that's one of my my memories. Kraus, talk a little bit about what's coming up at Viking Speedway. And then what does postseason, what does this time of year mean to you? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, well, for me, it means I got to work. I haven't, I had a, it's hockey season, man. It's, uh, <laughs> I got to, I got to get to the grindstone and start doing some work. Got to put the golf clubs away and get after it. But, uh, no, it's fun too. Yeah. We got our big Labor Day doubleheader here this weekend. Um, threw a little extra money at at the purse. Nothing too crazy. We had to got to watch our pennies and cents over here when you're a board run organization. But we're fortunate enough to add some money on top, um, you know, and try to. You know, our big thing is want to you know give back to our locals that raced here all year. Um, you know, we had 97, 98, close to 100 cars last year, which is a really good number for five classes. Um, you know, obviously still got curfew, so we got to watch all that good stuff. Um, you know, 750 both nights to win the mods. I think it's gonna is a is a decent payday. Most of the guys don't have to travel very much, so we will get some travelers. There's no doubt. Um, so it's a fun weekend for us. Kind of our last hurrah now that we don't have the fall classic. Uh, but you know, I it's I don't really have much of a like the event. I, I kind of just remember back in the day was the Aberdeen and Cedar Lake deal. You know what I mean? You had the Eastern and the Western 100, I thought was kind of cool. And, you know, watching guys like Jason Long run his streeter and Cedar on Wednesday and then jet out and, and race in Aberdeen, you know, I, I was fun. I think some of the Mod 4 guys did that too. Um, so seeing stuff like that and just that that's kind of one memory I like to, you know, watching, you know, when Cedar had the, you know, the, the 100 and then you had the Western 100. I thought that was kind of a cool deal and see who went where and what was going on, who was going to win. Um, so that's kind of cool. And obviously now with the Soda 100 being 45 minutes down the road, um, sit there and watching that and see who's going to show up. And that, that's obviously the premier event is the Wasota 100. I, I, I think it needs to be more of a premier event. I know we, we talked about that on here. It needs to trump all these shows, but it's just kind of fun to kind of see who, who's all racing, who goes where, and, you know, especially um, seeing the Wasota 100 in this area, I think, is, is, a, is a big deal. It's going to be fun to watch. You know, and, and just to segue off that, right, we talk about the 100, and we kind of we hammer on Wasota for all the things they aren't doing, right? Because it, it, it does. It grinds my gears. It pisses me off, right? It really does. And it's not because, oh, I hate Wasota or, you know, that's all you get. Oh, you you guys hate Wasota. You just talk smack. No. we we Wasota's been a part of our life, our whole adult life. We want it to be better, right? Well, that's what we want to see. There's so many specials. The Wasota 100 still a hell of a good time regardless. So even if they're dropping the ball in so many areas, it's a fun time, and there's going to be some really good cars and some really good racing. That's a fact. That's going to happen regardless of, of everything else. But we want to see – what makes this event stand out to all the other specials? That's what we want to see. And and for me, I mean, this weekend is is kind of my home track, so to speak. Invitational, Silver, you know, you got Proctor, which I consider home. I love that place. But Proctor, Grand Rapids, and then Hibbing, where I cut my teeth and I want a lot of races up there. But for me, it's it's the culture. I mean, the, you get more cars for sure at, at specials. 
you get some out-of-town guys coming in. Can the locals hold off the out-of-town guys? I'll be honest with you. This year, more than ever before, late models at the Hibbing Raceway at the Labor Day shootout, it was literally like, oh, man, are our locals going to do anything? And we've had some locals win. But for, for years, it was basically the Cedar Lake cars are coming to town with the late models, and they're leaving with all the money. That's just what it was. I'm here to tell you. I, I'm telling you right now, we look back at the Challenge Series race they had. I think there was eight local late models in the top ten earlier this year. I, I'm telling you, this particular year, they might be defending the turf better than they've ever defended it before. So I'm interested to see that. But just going up there, seeing a lot of people, going to go hang out with my dad, you know, my mom and dad. That's going to be fun. And, you know, just so many memories of, of all the invitationals. We'll get into that at another time, something maybe during the winter, talk about some of those memories. But let's jump into some additional shout-outs here. I got a couple quick shout-outs. I want to give a quick shout-out, Eric Anderson. Now, you guys saw I was going to run um, a Midwest mod on Hall of Fame night in Superior. I'm officially dead last in Wasota Midwest mod national points, right? Blake Adams actually uh, made sure he's sitting with his dad. He goes, tell Ryan he's doing a hell of a job in that Midwest mod. He's right there in the thick of things giving me a little bit of grief. Come on, guy. Um, but uh, Eric Anderson uh, got the car back together. First career feature win in the Midwest Mod. He's won some races in the pier stock, but his first win, uh, nice slide job to take the lead at Bemidji. Congratulations to him. That was super cool seeing one of my old pit guys parking it in victory lane. Justin Barsness, uh, your current national point leader now after what all happened in the Hornet division. Guys, he rolled over in the pier stock feature. He's running double duty, jumped out of the pier stock after taking a pretty hard tumble, jumped in the Hornet, parked it in victory lane. Pretty cool to see a kind of a rebound like that, right, for a kid. Jeff Fry. Did you, have you raced against Jeff Fry? Fry ran I have. Um, he, came to, he's been to, he came to Alec a couple times this year, maybe once or twice uh, when Ogilvy was off. Um, didn't realize he'd been racing that long and finally got his first win. Awesome to see. Yeah, super cool. He passed Joey Jensen to do it, and that's not that's a pretty tall task. He got it done at Princeton. So a shout out on another career first right there. And then uh Super Stocks. I don't know if you saw this Kraus, but Autumn Classic Casino Speedway weekend, uh, I believe the weekend after the one hundred, I believe it is. Um they are running super stocks. So Todd Good. Tip of the cap there, guy. Congratulations. Finally getting the good class over there at the Casino Speedway. And uh, Trevor uh, Trevor Nelson's got to be happy about that. And, or maybe we call him Bo Duke. I don't know. Did you see that deal in Aberdeen there? Dude, you got to jump on the Dirt Race Central. And he literally Bo Duked it off the back straightaway. They're, they're battling up front, and the guy got sideways and hooked him. And I, I thought he was going to roll. And he yard sailed like Bo Duke style off of the back straightaway at Aberdeen. And he came back on and kind of felt it out, went on to park at victory lane like he always does. Um, Paul Searing, got to give him a quick shout-out. Three straight years in a late model, three straight years with a championship. Of course, three years ago, the Wissota National title. Last year, he won the Wissota Late Model Challenge Series. And this year, he won the Repairable Vehicles Tri-State Late Model Series. So, Full searing, not racing quite as much, but when he does, it's at a high level. Any additional shout outs for you guys before we jump on to our bold predictions? Uh, just uh, 
this coming week at Channel Speedway is the Channel County Fair, and uh, you know the grandstand is always packed for that race. Uh, but you know we talked about point. You know we love a good points chase, and um, I think really, well, I think the the four cylinder division is fairly close, but it's the IMC modified division uh, to watch because uh, 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 Johnny the Hitman Whitman has a one, I believe, a one point lead over. Connor Walensky. So, uh, you know, with only one point separating each position, uh, basically it's who finishes ahead of the other one that's going to win the championship. Keep us posted on that one. Speaking of one point deal, Joel Kreiderman separated one point behind John Tapazzini in the modified division in Thunder Bay. Kind of cool to see the old uh, Joel Kreiderman jump back in the car park in uh, Victory Lane three times, maybe win a championship. Kraus. Any additional shout-outs from you before we move on to the bold predictions? Uh, just one. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to Taylor Bitson winning his first uh, track championship at Viking Speedway. Probably one of the most entertaining, wildest Midwest modified features I've ever watched. Um, Ron Sauer, you had a Sauer, a Bitson, and Sean Olson, who's technically a music. Three huge names in Viking Speedway history. And uh, what got my attention was, I was standing in my trailer, and I heard hooting and hollering. That's how loud it was. So there you go, Bert. It was a, for a track championship. Um, came down to the last lap. Slide job uh, was clean. Um, great battle. So shout out to those guys um, for putting on a heck of a show. And that's what you want to see down at points battles. Um, and then have the you know three names with rich tradition at Viking Speedway. It's pretty. It was an awesome night. You had two guys uh, heartbreak. And uh, one of the bits and boys getting his first uh, track championship. Super cool. Super cool. So three bold predictions uh, brought to you by Mason Aaron's videos. Mason's coming up. He's going to be at the silver and he's going to be in Grand Rapids. Looking forward to seeing our editing guy. Jump on YouTube, Facebook, check out Mason Aaron's videos. Lots of great content. Great guy. Great ambassador to dirt track racing. So we pick uh, three, we make three predictions every week, keep track if we're right or wrong, kind of keeping a tally here. A few things came off the board. So old uh, Jeff Krause here said T-Mac was going to win 50 grand at Port Royal. Nope. You said Brady Gertis was going to not, oh, you, the way you worded it, Brady Gertis is not only going to win the championship, he's also going to win the feature. If you would have just left it right there as he's going to win the championship, would have got a point. The him and uh, him and Zach both had tires bombing eight, and they got a solid seventh and eighth in that one. That did not happen. And then you said Bobby Pierce was going to sweep Davenport, kind of a bad beat there because he would have, but he did not. So that didn't happen. Bert, you had a few come off the board here. Anvilink wins at least one Dirt King race this weekend. That did not happen. Well, Carson was he, he was going to start on the front row in Plymouth, and then the feature got rained out. <laughs> Well, that, that's exactly why they just ran them last and didn't get it in because they didn't want you to get points. That's how that works. So thank you, Plymouth, for that. Uh, Carson Macedo, a pair of podiums in North Dakota. Rough week. Rough week. Fifth and an eighth for the 41 ride. You said, was it Coy Viles? Is that what it is? 16-year-old uh, yes. in the sport mod was going to win the track championship at the Berg. And uh, he did. He got that done by seven points. That was over his dad. His dad get second? Oh, yep, his dad got second. Pretty cool. And then this one we can probably, you guys can decide. We'll probably take this off the board. You said the old voodoo child earlier this year, Scott Bloomquist, was going to go winless in 2023. 
we just take that out. I don't think he's going to race. I would probably just take that off the board now. I don't, so, I don't, yeah, I don't think I he's told, race I told Jeff, I'm like, he's kind of a doubter here, but I mean, maybe, maybe the spaceships will come in and put him in a car for the world 100, <laughs> and I, the, the cigar shaped one. I'm not sure. Um, I had a few come off the board here as well. I said Josh Zimple was going to have at least one podium at uh, the two Challenge Series races. Um, 13th and a 12th struggle bus there for the five. Um, I said Dave Dalsiak was going to win his fourth straight. And his cousin Brian was going to get his first podium. Well, half of that was right. Dave Dalsiak, four straight, seventh on the year, flat out giving him a thumping over there at Sycamore. But his cousin uh, heard a motor, never even got to start the feature. So that did not happen either. I said TPO and Dustin Strand because they've had a little animosity. I thought they were going to maybe have a little dust up in Grand Forks. Well, that did not happen because TPO was smart enough to not go there. I had a couple earlier in the year that came off the board as well. I said Ogilvy was going to average at least 16 late models at their regular events in 2023. They only got two of them in. They got Challenge Series stuff in, but all their other late model shows rained out. So they only got two regular nights. 14 at each of them, so that was a no. I said Kevin Burdick was going to win the KME points, which what they do is on all the nights throughout the season up until this past weekend between the Hibbing Raceway, Halberline Speedway and Proctor, Gondekla Speedway and Superior, they accumulate all the points. The winner of that got a cool $10,000 from Pat Capella and Kevin Burdick took that home. So congratulations, Kevin Burdick. That was a yes. And I said Zach Johnson was going to win the Moonshine Mod Tour. Yeah, no, that that did not happen as well. So that leaves us right there to the standings. In the standings right now, I have 39 correct, 55 wrong, 41.4. Burt's at 38 correct, 58 wrong, 39.6. So I got a slight edge there on old Burt. And Jeff and the listeners they're at 19.4, so they're starting to make some headway, but got a little work to do. Um, but we got uh, we got a lot of predictions here. I got a couple different fans that kind of sent some stuff in, so maybe I'll touch on a couple of them quick first, and then we'll go around the room. Actually, Jeff, that's our boy, he helps us with our points, part of our pickums, good buddy of mine. He said uh, between the Silver 1000, Wasota Classic, and the two days at the Labor Day shootout, he said there's going to be four separate winners in the late model division. So no late model driver will double up this weekend. Another fan of our show, uh, Tony, sent one over. His 10-year-old, uh, Mike and Iverson. He said Mike and Iverson will win at US 24 in Logansport, Indiana in his 7M junior sprint car. He has a five-point lead in the Hart Series National Championship race. So uh, good luck there to Mike and Iverson. Ten-year-old, they, they both listen to the show, so had to get that boy in victory lane. Sounds like he's doing a hell of a job. Um, and then I got uh, got one from JR here. This one's kind of funny with all the stuff that's happened. JR said, the head was soda, tech inspector. will be involved with at least one Massively controversial call at the 2023 Wasota 100. Pretty good odds. Pretty good odds. Probably going to happen. 
So Nick's in three, so we'll filter him in. Let's make three laps around the room. We'll start with Bert. We'll go to Jeff. I'll say Nick's, and I'll say mine. Um, so we have a few here, and then uh, that'll bring us to the end. So, Bert, what is your first prediction here this week? Uh, B-Shep will have two podium finishes in the World of Outlaws series this week at Mississippi Thunder and Deer Creek. He's been running pretty good. Okay. Jeff? Bert, Bert, these are supposed to be bold predictions. That is a bold prediction. That's pretty That's pretty bold. I don't know if that boy's got the balls to hang it on the high side at Mississippi Thunder. We're going to find out, though. Uh-huh. Anyway, we're going um, Cowboy Up Racing. Shane Howell is going to finally get off the Schneid at Viking Speedway and get a feature win and climb the fence in the process. I feel like this is rigged because if he wins, you're probably going to make him do it. So, but it'll be <laughs> worth it. There, there, there's not a whole lot more entertaining victory lane celebrations than old cowboy Shane Howell. So, man, I hope you're right because that the, the crowd needs a little electricity, right? So, there you go. He had it. I thought he was going to have it at Granite City Sunday until the national point leader Zach Benson got by him late. So it's pretty good race there. So Nick, uh, Nick said. A non-local will sweep the weekend, so not necessarily the same driver winning all three, but all three races between Grand Rapids and both days at Hibbing in the Midwest Modified Division, all three of those features will be won by a non-local driver. Kind of hope you're on there, guy. Kind of playing with my turf there. So my first pick, between Jeff Provenzino, Jeff Massengill and Kyle Peterling, they will combine for a minimum of five podiums over this Labor Day weekend at, at the uh, between Proctor, Grand Rapids, and Hibbing. Bravo, Massengill, and Peterling combine for at least five podiums. Bert, um, I am going to go buggies. And say David Gravel will win two of the four World of Outlaw Sprint Car races this week. Yeah, he's screwed now. Way, way to <laughs> right. Krause? We're going, um, I don't know where he's going to be racing, but if TPO pulls his late model out this weekend, wherever he's racing, he's winning every feature he's in. So from Thursday to Monday, that's technically Labor Day weekend, correct? <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't know where he's racing, but he's winning every feature he's in in the late model. All right. The odds are pretty high. He's He's been good, but uh, Brad Sang, Gresseth, all, all of them guys up there, I think he's going to Greenbush Saturday, Sunday. Dustin Strand. Dustin Strand, you've officially been called out. Krause said that you have nothing for the TPO. All right. So Nick here. All right. Blake Adams is going to finish in the top three in the 2023 Wasota Modif- Midwest Modified National Point Standings. He's kind of come to life here the second half of the season, uh, obviously uh, what, 13, 13 years old or 14 or whatever he is. Um, going to be fun to watch. So Blake Adams, top three in points. My second pick, also National Points related. Right now, Braden Brower's got a pretty healthy lead, but the Wolverine is coming. Justin Vogel will be the Wasota Street Stock National Point Leader 
at the end of the Wasoda 100. By the end of the Wasoda 100 weekend, Vogel will be on top in the national standings. Bert? Um, I will go... Kyle Peterlin will win one of the late model features with the Labor Day shootout. Whatever okay, that one is. of the two in Hibbing. Yes. One of the two yes. in Hibbing. Yes. He's been good. He won the five grand. He won the Challenge Series race earlier this year. Kyle Peterlin uh, has been very, very strong there. So that would be a great family. I love them, guys. So I, I'd love to see that. That would be super cool. Kraus? Uh, we are going um, – Justin Vogel is going to win four out of five this weekend. Um, so plan – and he sounds like he's going KRA Monty, Viking, Viking, Madison. So he's going to win four out of five. And I tell you what, if that happens, my deal is going to come true. And just for the record here, we're not going to go off my race pass for the points. We're going to go off the act because they're always like two weeks behind. So – We'll do the math on what's actually tabulated because I know they got so much to do at the Wasota office where they can't get that together. So we'll have the official correct points at the end of the Wasota 100. Um, so Vogel, four of five. All right, so I'm going to go back to Nick here. Jody Belfi is going to win the Silver 1000. Guys, he's been really good. Um, he was horrible the first half of the season. Um, MB came up, Mars's and whatnot, and they did some testing at, at Gonda Class Speedway. That thing has been really, really good the second half of the year, so keep an eye on that 11. And my third and final pick is uh, a little super late model stuff. Turbo Tyler Herb is going to be in a Longhorn before Speed Weeks. Turbo Tyler Herb will make the switch to Longhorn before Speed Weeks. I thought you'd say an MB. <laughs> well, that could happen too, but I mean, he ain't apparently. Uh, I don't know that that would be the one MB on the national tour. That would be good for MB. I don't know if that would be good for Turbo, but <laughs> but he's he needs something. So Turbo and a Longhorn. So, Kraus, uh, you just running a doubleheader. You going anywhere other than Viking this weekend? Uh, I'm negative. Just going to uh, watch some racing and race on Saturday and Sunday, and then get ready for uh, my team to come in on Monday. There you go. And, Bert, uh, what are your plans for the week? Uh, I'll be going to Shano Speedway on Saturday night for the races during the Shano County Fair. Sounds good. I, I'm going to go to – I I got a bunch of races. I'll see Puka here. And uh, <clears throat> I'm a guessing that Puka and I will likely do like a pre-race, post-race deal. So um, check that out. Probably be on YouTube. We'll probably do some of that. But I'm going to be at the Silver 1000. I'm going to be at the Wasota Classic. I'll be at the Labor Day Shootout. Excited to get back up north, see some friends, and and uh, hopefully some good racing up there as well. So, uh, again, thanks to all of our great sponsors. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. A lot of content here. And uh, things are winding down. Now it's getting to that time of year where there's just not quite as much racing, but uh, a lot of exciting stuff this time of year. So, for Burt Lehman, for Jeff Krause, I'm Ryan Aho. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. <laughs>